This is Hannah Rose and welcome to the Inspire Within podcast. Hi everyone, welcome back to a brand new episode of Inspire Within. My name is Hannah Rose and I am your show host. I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest, Aaron Cranstorf. Aaron is currently the Group Executive Director of Fashion and Luxury within the Hearst Luxury Group, overseeing brands including Elle, Esquire, Harper's Bazaar, and Town & Country. He has worked his way up at Hearst for over seven years and was previously at Nylon Magazine and Condé Nast. Aaron has an extremely impressive background and I'm so excited to learn more from him today. Thank you so much for being here, Aaron. How are you? Thanks, Hannah. Thanks for so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. Um, I'm doing all right. I'm looking out my office window and seeing like what looks like the end of day's rainstorm come to an end. So I'm happy because I have to go to an event tonight. I do not want to be a, like a, a drowned out rat running into this party tonight. For sure. Yeah, I'm glad you're just missing out on the rain. But I know it's been weird weather this summer here in New York. So it's been interesting to see, but I'm glad that you're doing well. Thank you for being here. So what I typically like to start off with with some guests that I have on the show is to just learn more about your background. We'll get into your career path and everything, but where did you grow up? Where did you go to school? What did you study? would love to learn all of that. Uh, sure. So I could, uh, I, I am a native New Yorker, but then, uh, I was born here, uh, in the city, um, but my parents eventually decided like most that they didn't want to pay for private school. So they moved to um, Scarsdale and that's where I grew up um, from age five until college where I turned right back around and um, I went to NYU and I studied Spanish literature and French and then, <laughs> which, um, a lot of people, it, it goes into my career a little bit, though. They has the, the two have nothing to do with what I do with daily. Um, it um, it connects in so much that college. I worked throughout my college experience, so I um, I, t- I had a major that was came very naturally to me. My mom is from Ecuador, so I grew up speaking Spanish, and and had um, and then I had studied French throughout like through middle school and all the way. And I wanted to keep studying it. And I, I'm very happy that I uh, understand French because I work so much with French based clients now that it's nice when you're in a meeting and they're pulling to the side, try to talk about a business point. I can totally understand everything they're saying and how they want to, how they want to redo the deal. For sure. (laughs) So yeah. um, I loved, I loved growing up um, in the, on Scarsdale and, and being in New York. I mean, while New York has, tons of flaws as every city it really is the center of the world and it's um it's just a fantastic city um that you know it really that has so many opportunities for those who um work hard and want to be in the world of whether it's fashion or media entertainment um and so on so being um it was a no-brainer that I wanted to go stay in the city for school and then you know get a head start going into my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you just mentioned that you worked throughout all of college. Was that within the fashion industry or was that kind of dabbling around different industries? So um, long story short, I had media and magazines sort of something I grew up with because 
Uh, my father worked as a lawyer for Connie Nass for many years. And so I sort of had that always happening around the house, you know, uh, you know, hearing about the industry. And from a very early age, I knew I wanted to go into um, magazine and media and publishing. Um, I had uh, talked to my dad. I always loved going to work with my dad. I loved, I, um, you know, I looked up to him and I still do to this day. He's my number one advisor on, on anything. And um, so he, you know, he got, he showed me the different aspects of the business. And at first I thought I wanted to be an editor. And then I was like, wait a second, I like to write, but I'm not really a, a, someone who wants to be a journalist. I really love the business side of, of it. Um, and sort of around, as crazy as it sounds, like age 16, I knew I wanted to be a, what was a publisher back then. I, having, having seen him work with publishers and hearing about what they did, I, it was like, you know, that's what I want to do. And so yeah. um, I got an internship at Condé Nast Digital, back when what it was called, it was Condé Nast, maybe Condé Nast Digital. And then from there, um, loved it, got to work with Graydon Carter, the then editor-in-chief of Annie Fair, who is a you know, mega name in the business on his video projects that they were just launching. Um, but also... Um, got to learn about what, you know, when Connie Nass was buying new websites and working on those and working on the then style.com videos. So it was really uh, a fun time. And then I, I got an internship at Connie Nass Traveler, the fashion um, department that they had a little fashion department at Connie Nass Traveler where they would do these really crazy shoots, um, beautiful fashion shoots and these crazy destinations. So like they'd be telling, uh, animal print story um in a in a jungle in thailand and then they'd give you a whole travel uh, you know travel story around that as well so wow i was like okay i'll do this because i it's my i'm going to start and get to know the editorial side um a little bit more but i knew i eventually wanted to transfer over to the business side and i did um and i got an internship on the sales side and then i just stayed with it for there and eventually what i did towards the end of my freshman year is I convinced the then associate publisher of marketing and the publisher of Kanye's Traveler that I'm doing so much work here and I'm coming in three days a week while cramming my school into two days a week uh, as a full, you know, course load. Um, I want to get paid and make me a, yeah. a, a staffer. So I did a proposal to them about, you know, here's what I wanted. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I could do. I'll be committed to those three days a week. I'll, you know, I'll, but I'll always be on like, you know, like any other employee. And I, I'm, you know, can I get my head started becoming part of the marketing team here? And they loved it, approved it. And I was in marketing, um, in the marketing department, um, and kind of traveler through three different publishers. Wow. Uh, it was first the one I had there. Then the second one who, who I got very close to, Carolyn Kremens, who I absolutely adored. She was an incredible mentor and her um, her uh, associate publisher for sales and associate publisher for marketing were also great mentors. And they got me a sales job. Eventually they built a sales job for me. The second I graduated, I was, I had, um, they knew I wanted to be a salesperson. I loved being in marketing and 
but I knew at the end of the day to get to that publisher job, you needed to be uh, um, on the sales side and be actually responsible for revenue. So I, they built a job and I got to be, um, I got to do uh, a tourism boards, some hotels. I also got to oversee the licensing sales for our award seals, which was a new revenue stream then. And I loved it. It was so great. Um, then a new publisher came and I, I worked for that new publisher for a little while. And I, um, but I always knew that while I loved Connie Nash Traveler, I mean, I love to travel. It's something my mom took me every vacation because she worked in school. So she had a lot of vacation time when my, when my dad couldn't go away and we went to a new country every time. Oh, that's amazing. So, yeah. I, I, I think that was my education for schooling was one thing, but my education that she gave me in traveling was a whole nother level. And it's, I think it's something I'll, you know, I'll always be grateful to my parents for, for showing me the world and getting to know different places and people. Um, so I, I wanted to go into fashion. I knew that's something I loved. I loved the, I loved clothes myself. I probably would have a lot more money in my savings account if I stopped shopping. <laughs> <laughs> I totally feel that. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to, to, to make the change. Um, and I wasn't, there wasn't something to make a leap like that at Connie Nass was going to be really hard because so many people there were so senior. I was just I was such a baby. Um, I wasn't going to get to manage, you know, fashion accounts. That's sort of the, the bread and butter of the, of the company. So I got the job at Nylon, which allowed me to do that. And it was a total adjustment. I mean, 180 from like, you know, the tower four times square and like the, you know, the big brands. This was a small little publication in Soho that, you know, you was really like you rolled your sleeves up and you did everything. And, um, it was a great learning experience and it was a great year. And I, um, I ended up being there for a year, but while I was there, something really crazy happened. Oh um, no, what happened? Um, it's like out of a movie, but um, the owners who are also the founders, it was the wife who founded the magazine with her husband. Who was he, She was the publisher, he was the editor. So I reported it to, to her. Um, they, like many people in our business during the financial crisis, got hit with hard times. So they um, they needed a backer, and they got a backer in 2008 who was not the most savory character, one could say. <laughs> um, and he ended up going to jail. Oh, wow. Um, but while he was in jail, he still had his wife, who was the, managing the finances for us, and he she was giving him reports and the owners were using the company like they had always it was their company they you know they this was sort of their baby they didn't have kids so this is mylon was their baby and their piggy bank yeah um, and they lived a very glamorous life between new york and la um new york and la um was very expensive <laughs> Um, and he was getting fed up. So what he did, this backer from jail, sold Nylon. Wow. His, his majority stake in the company. <sighs> I was out one night and I was with um, 
my friend, I get a text from one of the editors, says, click this link to WWD. And it said, Nylon had been sold. There's new ownership. The owners are gone. We wow. got there okay. The locks were changed. The new, the new <gasps> team. I never saw or heard from my old boss ever again. Oh my goodness. That's an insane story. You just you don't never, hear that all the time. Wow. No, it's like arrested development. Like it was truly, it was truly crazy. So I never saw her again. I was like, and I <laughs> loved her. I loved working for her. She was, she was definitely uh, a firecracker, what I could say. And, uh, and such a, and a smart entrepreneur. I mean, she built that brand. Yeah. Um, so I, um, I stayed for a little bit longer for a few more months with the new management. And I, I actually really got to like the new management. They brought in this wonderful, um, very seasoned publisher, Dana Fields, who had run FHM and Winter Media for a long, long time. Um, but I knew I wanted to come back to the, to the big, you know, one of the big at the time, you know, one of the big three time. Yeah. Conde or Hearst. For sure. And, um, I'd been talking to people and I ended up, in LinkedIn messaging my current boss, Carol Smith. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so I wrote to her and I said, like, I've followed your career in fashion publishing. And I've so, you know, so admired you. And would be, I saw you have an opening at Harper's Bazaar where she was the then publisher and I'd love to come work for you. And, you know, if, if you'd be willing to have a conversation. Um, that's a shoot in the dark. You never know. Is someone going to respond to you that you don't know them? Like a big yeah. executive like that. I was like, you know, what's, what do I have to lose? She yeah. I got nothing to lose. Yeah. I got nothing to lose. And so she ended up writing right back and saying, I'm sorry, but the job is filled that you want, but oh, no. uh, please send me your resume and we'll keep you in mind for as things come around. I was like, ah, okay, well, at least she wrote me back, which was very nice. So I emailed her my resume and I say, thank you so much. And, um, a few months later, I get an email out of the blue from an assistant at Harper's Bazaar saying, we have an opening for an American fashion um, sales role. Um, the associate publisher would like to speak to you. So I, um, I go to, I go to, I, I go to the interview and I have like a bunch of interviews and <laughs> I finally get to meet Carol and, um, and it was, it was great. I got the job. I was, I, I was so happy to, to finally go back. And, and I mean, I was, this was like the big leaks. We were going to Harper's Bazaar. It was, you know, Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, L. These were the big, big fashion magazines. Yeah. And they still are. Those are, you know, the, the big three that uh, compete with each other. And um, I um, started an American fashion. And then through my almost eight years here now, I kept working my way up and um, then I started taking on European fashion because I obviously doesn't want to work with the big brands like Prada and Gucci and Louis Vuitton. Yeah. Um, and then I took on more and more territory. And then we had a restructuring here where um, L was brought under Carol and um, Mary Claire and that's when I got into my first management role. So I, I was overseeing um, sellers for the fashion category. Um, and then we had another restructuring and I added luxury into it. So all of the jewelry 
uh, the, so that's how fashion and luxury came together because it's a very similar business. And then um, we had another re restructuring happen. And now Esquire and Town and Country, Mary Claire was sold and Esquire and Town and Country came under the fold. And so now that's where I currently am um, at what we call the Hearst Luxury Collection, overseeing our core business, which is about 70% of our overall revenue here um, in these brands across print and digital and e-commerce. And I can't say how, you know, it, the industry has so changed from the, you know, 16 year old me who wanted to be a publisher. It's, it's yeah. a very different world. Um, but I don't think there are any brands out there like these, these four that are so strong, have such great recognition, um, such connection to culture. Um, and I have an, and I also, I have the most incredible publisher or now senior vice president group publishing directors, what you call her, uh, in Carol. I mean, I, a mentor leader and supporter like her is you can't beat. And so I feel very lucky, um, for the opportunities I've had, um, thanks to all the great people I've worked with along the way, but especially to, to her. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that career journey. It's so inspiring. And, you know, the common theme I'm really hearing throughout your journey in your career is advocating for yourself since you were even a freshman in college. So that's so amazing. And would you say for people who are looking to get either into the fashion industry or just you know, break into an amazing career and be in a position like where you are one day to truly advocate for yourself, reach out to people on LinkedIn. What's your biggest piece of advice around that? You are your strongest advocate. You are, and only you will be able to, and I say you, the general you, to be able to push through and get your, you know, get yourself noticed. Of course, you know, it always helps to have a connection and know people, but you absolutely should never, never be afraid to go talk to that, the highest person you can to ask what you want and try and get what you want. And, you know, uh, people will be like, oh, it's intimidating to reach out to such a person or it's intimidating to, to go talk to someone in an event. But no, it's actually, it may be intimidating for you at the moment. Um, and you might meet a person who's not the nicest because we all know that there's <laughs> the, 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 the stories, but yeah, it, it really you only benefit yourself by going in, going out there and putting yourself out there and talking to those people and trying to break through and people will be impressed. I'm impressed when I get messages from people directly who are like, because I know you, it, it, it takes a lot of chutzpah to go in and, and ask for what you want and put yourself out there and people yeah. will be impressed for that. And I think for myself and people in my world, you know, I'm in sales. So I have to, I have to do that all the time. Like I'm constantly going out and pushing and reaching out to people and, and to, you know, try to get them to partner with us. So, um, you've got to, you, you've got to be your, you've got to be your number one salesperson for yourself. Um, and definitely, definitely don't be afraid to ask for what you want. And, uh, I think now more than ever people have that, there's definitely been a shift in the, in the way we, we look at um, the workplace. And I think the employee has a lot more of a voice and more power to advocate for themselves and ask for what they want now more than ever. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's amazing advice. Thank you so much for that. And with that, you know, I hear so much confidence within you. It's super inspiring. Have you ever battled with any sort of imposter syndrome or felt like, you know, do I belong here? Anything like that? I know you said, try to push past the feelings of intimidation, but has that ever been instilled within you? Um, I wouldn't say that I felt, I definitely felt intimidated. I wouldn't say that I did but that's the other thing that's, that's, and I know people, you hear that a lot, like, Oh, I don't belong here. Like that you've got, I had an English teacher in high school who always told me when he was, we had, we had to do public speaking classes in high school and, in, and, and in middle school. And he always said like the most confident people come across as the best public speakers because they are able to turn off that voice in their head and go out there and present what they're trying to present. And you can't let that voice in your head of self-doubt or um, come out. Like I've definitely felt it. I've definitely been like, oh God, this is an intimidating situation. How am I going to handle this? Especially, you know, in front of super senior executives. And I'm like, you know, there's little old me, like what what am I doing talking to you? Um, (laughs) But you, you, you got it. Like the best advice was that turning that voice off and just owning it and going in with confidence about yourself because um, people will sense if you have that imposter syndrome, but if you are confident, you say, no, I belong here and I, I, and I can advocate for myself and you believe in yourself, you will get so much further. A hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that as well. It's really helpful. And I think that confidence is always key. I mean, I'm a recruiter here at Hearst and I receive messages all the time. And I think it never hurts to reach out to somebody, somebody that's way above you or a recruiter or anything like that, if you're looking for a new job. So always be, you know, your own salesperson, like you said, and really push for yourself. So thank you for that advice. And I also just want to pivot a little bit into more of your job responsibilities as well, and some of your biggest challenges in balancing all of it too. If you could talk a little bit about how you balance everything within work life and personal life, that would be really great. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm someone who loves, I, I'm very lucky. Like I said, I'm lucky of all these opportunities. I love, and I'm lucky because where I work and I love what I do. I, I don't consider work really work you know someone on my team he's like you're crazy like you're you're the only person who goes in five days a week to the office you know we're only we're only have to be in two days i i i just so love what i do that um it is i don't see it as work but i mean at the end of the day there is of course the element that there is work and i think you have to make sure to um be very mindful of like of keeping um, yourself organized. That's a huge thing. Keeping a really good to-do list um, and making time for yourself too. Like you've got to be able to learn to unplug and you've got to be able to, you know, find a full balance and um, detach yourself a little bit from it. You know, I am very, I know a lot of people in this business who are married to or partners with other people in this business. And that's, that's great. That may be for them. I actually, my partner, he is, well, he's in media, he's in television news. He's, I mean, he talks about the complete opposite of what I do. Yeah. <laughs> like the local fire in the Bronx and he's, you know, he works for, for the little t- and he, that's his, like what he spends his day on. And I love that I can go and I don't have to talk to him about fashion or my big problem with Gucci today or my, yeah. big, or my, or my big opportunity with Gucci. Like I'm, I'm there to, I have a, a, a totally different 
wait, I can step away from it in my personal life and have a totally different um, world that I'm in when I'm, when I'm, when I'm, um, when I'm out of, out of the office. Um, so I definitely think that, you know, having some separation and building something for yourself outside of the four walls of your, of your office are really important. And then in terms of my, just like my day-to-day, I mean, I, now I spend a lot of time, we joke here, I, we, cause my, one of the, the team members came up with it, we, it calls it nanny time. I spent a lot of time, you know, in, in managing people, a lot of time working with, through other people's problems uh, and solutions. And um, I spent a lot of time with the, with the, the sellers that uh, my team, you know, coming, coming up with different cool and uh, innovative partnerships for these fashion luxury brands, whether it's in the magazine or doing incredible content on one of our sites or coming up with a, a great event concept. Like we're working together now with a very luxury Italian brand to come up with a, a series of events that support um, breast cancer research and also tie into a certain color scheme of theirs. Um, so we get to come up with some, we get to, you know, in partnership with our marketing team, who I'm so impressed by because they come up with all these things and our editors, we get to come up with some really cool and exciting moments for these brands uh, and bring them to life and drive a very sizable, uh, nice business. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's super exciting too. And I think that you have a lot of range and variety and not only, you know, the balance of having a partner who does something so different than you, but also in your day-to-day at work. So it keeps it really exciting. And it's just great to speak to somebody who loves so much of what they do as well. Um, So I know we're coming to time here too, but just wanted to have you leave us off with, you know, where you see yourself going in the next five to 10 years professionally, as well as where you see the Hearst Luxury Group going in terms of, you know, the business side of things, everything kind of shifting over to digital, some kind of pointers on where you see yourself in the company going. Um, well, I would, oh, that's a big question I ask myself all the time. You know, where are you <laughs> Five years ago, I knew I knew so clearly back when I was funny, young little me knew so clearly because the, the, the business was such a certain way. Now it has so evolved. But um hopefully here at Hearst, um, working on these brands and continuing to grow our 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 footprint, um, both you know, with our partners here, our partners abroad. And um, you know, we've had a really, really, really good two years after the we came, you know, 2020 was truly hell as i mean for for everybody but you know our business suffered tremendously because people were not shopping so our our um you know and when brands are looking to save make savings the first thing they cut from is marketing always so we were the you know the first thing that they could chop off their budget and um it was a dark dark period i mean i get phone calls i'm like there goes a million dollars that just went away yeah uh, but Hearst is a great company and supported us all through that um, and support everyone on here uh, on our team through that. And um, it's been bright since then. I mean, we've seen double digit growth, both in print and in digital. I mean, print people are really still advertising a ton in print. Wow. Yeah, no, it, it's, it, it's incredible. And then great strides in digital. So I think for the next five years, what I see with the Hearst Luxury Collection is an, an even more hyper-focus 
on our sites and social platforms and further developing new innovative products to bring to market, but also um, e-commerce. We are in the stages of, we have an e-commerce marketplace for Harper's Bazaar called Shop Bazaar, which is um, a great little site that during the pandemic really took off. It's been around for 10 years, but really it took that that time when everybody's home and this big shift to digital shopping. I mean, it was, it was already there, but it got even stronger um, to have Hearst really invest in us even further. And so we are now going to be launching, um, we're referring to it from a business to business perspective as the tower, like the Hearst Tower, but uh, a virtual mall where we will have all four of our luxury brands have their own dedicated e-commerce marketplace with one unified checkout card. Oh, wow. Uh, so it's really going to be um, incredible. We are, each site will specialize in certain things. So L will be focused a lot on accessories and beauty, Esquire All Things Men, Harper's Bazaar continuing to be very focused on ready to wear, but also accessories and fashion. And then Town & Country is going to be a, a destination for jewelry. So we will have the ability to shop all these four brands, one checkout, um, and we'll be able to leverage all of the incredible assets we have here at Hearst to drive shoppers to these sites and also bring opportunities to our partners to do special moments on these uh, in these commerce environments um so that's a huge initiative that i think is it's going to be the big it's a bit bit of big focus now as we develop it and then it's going to be a big focus when it launches next year and then continuing to grow that um and to be a real player in the in the commerce marketplace uh for for fashion and luxury um through these, through these brands. So that's what I definitely see as a huge part of our future and a huge part of something I, you know, will be involved in um, as we, as we go down um, and and build this out even further. So that's very exciting. Um, And yeah, no, and I, I think um, that the the future looks good. Yeah, absolutely. That's so exciting. I'm really excited to check that out next year too when that launches. So I'll definitely keep an eye out and just proud to be working at Hearst too and just have so many amazing things going on across the company. And I will also keep an eye out on your amazing career journey as well. And just thank you so much for your time today and sharing all this wisdom. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure that our listeners can get a lot of out of it as well. So thank you so much, Erin. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's really been a pleasure and I, I will hopefully see you soon. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Aaron.